0: Welcome to part one of our series entitled, I Love My Church. This is an incredible series we do each year, and you're going to hear some great stories of transformation right here from people just like you inside the church. Today, this is really fun because we're recording this in front of a lot of our college students and our staff. And really, as a reminder, we do this every week, but really it's just to remind and reinforce what God is doing within the church And that is this, that God gave us two words for this church several years ago. And if you know them, can you say them out loud with me all together? Come on, everybody. Hope Hope and healing. Hope for your tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. That's the transformation that takes place in all of our lives. And really, we all love stories of transformation, don't we? I mean, stories of transformation are so big right now on social media, on television. And we love the stories of transformation because here's what we like. We like to see the before picture right next to the after picture. We like to see where people were and where they are now. And part of that, seeing all that, gives us motivation to think if it can happen for them, it can happen to me. If they can do it, I can do it. But how many have ever found yourself a little feel, feeling a little guilty because you're watching one of those like infomercials on television and people are working out, they're sweating, cardio, all that stuff. You're watching people work out. And you're on the couch eating a bowl of Doritos. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just makes you feel a little guilty. You're so intrigued, though, with their story. Like, they're sweating, losing pounds, and shredding, and you're like, man, I'm so intrigued with this story, right? Well, <laughs> today, I think it's important to note yes, it's important, and yes, it's exciting to see stories of transformation physically. But today, and over the next couple of weeks, we want to show you some stories of people's lives whom Jesus has changed and transformed spiritually. And I want, to see, I want you to see your investment in the church. I want you to see your investment in your time and your giving and your praying, what that's done in the life of, lives of so many people here in this Bay Area. And to think about it, 14 and a half years ago, the church started with 22 people, and now the church is over 4,000 people on a weekend, all because of what you do week in and week out. Here's what we note. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is talking. He says this, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not be able to stop it and overcome it. Jesus said from his own mouth, it's his church. His mission to reach the world is the church. So after Jesus ascended into heaven, he then empowers the church to be the hope of the world. So say this with me out loud, everybody, that the local church is the hope of the world. Come on, everybody together. The The local local church is the hope of the world. world. One more time. The The local church is the hope of the world. world. And then flip over to Ephesians chapter 5, and Jesus is talking in the context of marriage, and he says this. He says Christ, or Paul is writing about Jesus, and he says Christ is the head of the church. And then he goes on to say the church is his body. And then he goes even further to say of which he is the Savior. So Christ is the head, the church is his body, and he's the Savior of the church. Now, there's a lot of people throughout history that have tried to to try to have some polemic that says, listen, I, all I need is Jesus. I don't need a church. I'm not churching right now. I'm not, I'm not going to commit to any church. And I just want to remind you, church was God's idea. As a matter of fact, Jesus being the head, the church is his body, you have to understand. You can't decapitate Jesus. You can't say I love Jesus, but I'm not. A, I'm not going to be a part of the church. That that's not okay with Jesus at all. As a matter of fact, He is the Savior of the church. Okay. Now listen. If the church is important for Jesus to birth the church and then turn around and lay down His life for the church, how many think the church is probably pretty important to God? And what's important to Him better be important to you and me because. Jesus has wanted to give us a place where we can do life together. It's funny because we have a lot of reasons in our heads why we come to church. Like, hey, why do you go to church? What's the reason? If I asked you today, we'd probably get thousands of different answers. Some people would say, Sean, I come for the worship. Oh, my goodness, I love the worship, the music. I just, whoo, the presence of God. Not really. I mean, yes, we worship God together, and there's something special about corporate worship. But to be honest, you can listen to... Great worship on CDs at home, like if anybody still listens to CDs. Or you can download music and have great worship music at home by yourself. Some people say, man, I come for the word. I want to hear the preacher preach it. You preach it, preacher. Now I'm trying to preach. But you can honestly listen to great sermons at home. The only thing you can't do alone is love. And Jesus wanted to provide a place where this can take place. And the context is found inside the church i never forget, I was baptizing a lady one time, and as I was baptizing her, right before I baptized her, she leaned over and she said this phrase. She said, thank you for loving me back to God. Oh, the tears just came. I was like, (laughs) I baptized her, forgot she was in the water. I mean, 10 minutes later, went back in after. No, I didn't do that at all. But in that moment, I realized the church did that for her. The dream team did that for her. I want us to be that type of church that loves people as unto Jesus. Because if I know one thing about Jesus, it's this. Jesus has a love language, and it's people. There's a way that he feels love. And it's not just by you singing to him. It's not by you just praying to him. He said to a guy named Peter, he said, listen, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus didn't take his word for it. He said, I'll know that you love me when or if you feed my sheep. If you tend my lambs. He wasn't talking about sheep, sheep. He was talking about he's talking about people. If you get involved in the needs and nurture of people. And Peter would go on to be one of the greatest leaders of the early church. I'm telling you, everybody. The church is God's idea. The church is important to him. And Jesus Christ, he's trying to encourage every single one of us to love people unto him. That's what he told Peter. I'll know that you love me when you actually get involved in the needs of people I love this church I want you to love the church I want your heart to be so gripped with how we reach people here at the church and we reach people who are far from God and we bring them near so that they can find hope and healing in the one and only Savior Jesus Christ this is one of my favorite series all year long I Love My Church series is really based around the stories of people inside the church, stories of life change and transformation, and I can't wait for you to hear some of these stories. Right now I'm riding with Gabe, Gabe is driving, he's not the safest driver, Uh, a little crazy if I was to be honest, and I'm not sure if I would pass you if I was your DMV instructor. So currently we are trying to find our way to their house. The road that we're supposed to take is detoured, it's closed, pray for us, but I think we'll get there eventually. Today, I can't wait for you to meet this amazing couple, Justin and Amanda Ratto. They drive all the way from Discovery Bay every week, and I can't wait for you to be inspired by this story. Well, the sign says so. So a half a tank of gas later and a half an hour later, we have finally arrived. Way to go, Gabe. Let's do it. There's a knock for every They do have a dog. That's a large dog. Fellowship church home in Beijing! Hey, guys. Do you love your church? We do. Oh, yeah. We do. <laughs> do you love your church popping in on you like this? Uh, <laughs> <That's yes>. No <surprising. laughs> Come on in, let's get started.
1: Pastor Sean, <laughs> you want to meet the mini pony?
0: <laughs> I've heard about oh. this dog. How old is it?
1: She's
0: nine. Nine years old. Oh dear God. <laughs> that, Go say hi! That's Tonshaw's horse right there. Say hi! She's cool? She's good. She's not gonna bite me? Nope, she'll just make you scratch her neck. <laughs> Alright, look at this, guys. This is a horse. <laughs> look at this bone. This is her bone. What's her name? Callie. Callie! more than You like this bone? Justin, Amanda, thank you so much for taking time with us today. I'm so excited for the church to hear your story. And you've been coming now for how long?
2: It's been two years that we've been coming to Fellowship. in November. Um, November.
0: Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about your story. Take us back to before Fellowship Church. Where were you? What was your life like?
1: We came here, and um, it was about a year. There was just something missing. You could tell. There was lack of joy. Mm -hmm. Justin has a job that requires a lot of um, hours. I I think I would just try to take on too much by myself. I was trying to do everything myself. I remember one day he came home. He came home early to surprise us. And I was sitting at the counter and I was just crying because I just felt so anxious. I knew I could be better. I knew I could be a better mom. I knew I could be a better
2: wife. You know, when she was crying like, and I was being stubborn, I knew exactly what it was. I just, I didn't want to give up worldly things. I was drinking a lot. It was affecting our relationship with my wife and with my kids. Everything physical and material we had and we were so unhappy and so unsatisfied. We were actually worse off. I wanted to be strong for my family. I knew I could be a better husband. I know I could be a better father. Um, I've experienced the Lord before and I strayed. How did you hear about the
0: church?
1: So my kids used to be in gymnastics with somebody who went to the church and uh, one day she had told me, she said, hey, if you guys ever want to try a church, because I told her we were kind of looking, she said, "Um, you guys should try fellowship. It took us about a month um, until we finally got to go. We went in and it was just, It, it's, it's, you can't explain it. All of the age differences, all of the diversity, all of the love. Like I have never heard somebody say I love you so much. It's like real love.
2: It was too genuine (laughs) joy to be actors. Like you could fake happy, they weren't faking happy.
1: (laughs) We were invited to a small group and it's called Freedom. They told us it was just good. You just had to do it. The relationships that we gained in, those, in that small group. We know that we can text them on drop of a dime and they would be there for us. We've gained some of our best friends out of those groups. That's where the joy came in and that's where um, that's where I started really growing. Um,
2: at first I was a little skeptical. Um, I noticed I was like everyone's just being real like there was stuff being told and there, were, there was a complete trust in that room and I knew right then and there that these are people right here that we're all we're all striving for the same thing we're striving for joy and so i started opening up and that's what that's what cracked my show was when i gave up my pride and i finally told my story this is my weakness this is what i struggle with this is my history and this is my past and so when i stepped out and did that it, it changed everything after that i was all in all in and that literally changed everything
1: Through fellowship, I have given my life to Christ. Uh, I jumped in and I did the spontaneous baptism. Uh, Just joined the internship.
2: Come on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We did the baby dedication. And that really uh, changed our view of parenting. (laughs) Our kids, (laughs) we always used to talk about you and Pastor Diana and uh, our kids, they thought we said Master Sean. So they say, is that Master Sean? Is that Master Sean? I prefer Sunset.
0: That's so cute. Your kids love the church?
1: They love the church. As we've grown, they stay in class majority of the time since we're serving, and and we tell them, too, that they're serving. And we ask them when they go to class, look for the kids that haven't been there before, and you're serving Jesus at the same time. Love it. And they they do. They tell us, I met a new friend today. The fact that, that we know that they're learning about Jesus and building that relationship at that age, something that we learned and got now, that's
2: huge. They love it. We bring them to prayer on Thursdays, and uh, they um, they see how much we love it, and it makes that makes them love it that much more. Yeah. And so that's what makes it awesome is we can do it as a family. We just have joy that is the cup is full. I'm a way better husband. I'm a tenfold better dad um, because I have the best father to model myself from. We are just so happy. Our kids are happy. It's not fake. It's it's real. I felt like. The path that we were going down was—it was a dead end road. No matter where we turned, we were—we were married, but yet so far apart. And—and yeah. um, and the more we thought we had it together, the more it actually crumbled apart. I—I felt like I was at a dead end road, and without Fellowship Church, I don't know where that road would have led.
1: People at Fellowship Church—they pull the good out of you. They don't let you forget that you are worthy. They don't let you forget that you are loved. You have an army behind you. That just silences the enemy in my head any, any day of the week. Like, no. I have people that care about me, that pray for me, and that's an incredible feeling.
0: We're, We're the, the Rattles, Rattles and, and we, we love, love our, our church. Write right, this in your notes, know, everybody, that the church is a place to find meaning. It's a place to find meaning. Now, listen to me. Meaning gives definition. A lot of people are searching for meaning. What's the meaning of life? What they're really asking is, what's the definition of life? Who am I? And definition comes from God as he says, you're my son. You're my daughter. And now you know what your life is all about. There's a guy in the Bible. His his name was Solomon. And he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, it's a very depressing book. It's like 12 chapters of such searching for meaning. And he starts off the book. By screaming, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I mean, this guy is pretty depressed. And he was wealthy. He had everything his heart could ever want and ever desire. And yet he still is crying out, life is meaningless. Then he asks and goes on a rampage and a rant saying, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and then the sun sets, hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and then turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning to its course. All streams flow into the sea, and yet it's never full. All things are wearisome. He's like, I'm just so tired of it all. He had all the money he could want, he had all the women he could want. He had all the, the, the musical instruments. It wasn't just like the musical instruments. He would hire the band and come perform for him. He had gardens. He built structures. And, and, and everything his heart ever thought it wanted. And he says, I'm just so tired of it all. More than anyone can say. What has been will be again. And what has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which people could say, hey, look, this is something new? He says, no, he was there already long ago. It was there before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. He goes on for 12 chapters to describe how meaningless life is without God being first. And then chapter 12, verse 13, he comes to this conclusion. He says, all right, all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of it all. Here's what life is all about. It could be summed up in two things in his opinion, which he was the wisest man who ever lived. He said this, fear God and keep his commands. Like, honor God, put God first, and live for God. That's when you'll begin to find meaning in your life. It won't come from any other direction. And emptiness, the ratters are talking about how empty they were. They had it all. They They were satisfied with where they were financially, their house, their cars, the fun stuff they did on the weekends. They were trying to do whatever their hearts desired, and yet they were still so empty. Can we all agree, emptiness is a deep-seated emotion? And it's a crazy feeling because at first you're like, man, I don't want anybody to know. So on the outside, it looks like you're doing great, and people are asking, how are you doing? Oh, fine, and you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're nothing but a shell of a man, a shell of a woman. And it's a crazy feeling because at first you think, well, maybe I could fulfill my life's calling or... Fill my life with money or position or the bigger house or the bigger car. I'm just telling you, you will be let down every single time because nothing in the world permanently satisfies. I said nothing in the world permanently satisfies. Only Jesus could do that. It comes from a solid relationship with Jesus, and the rattles found that meaning here at church. They went from a life of feeling so empty to now coming to church, finding real love, finding real joy, real relationships, and now their whole family comes, and they're serving to make a difference in other people's lives. That's what's so incredible about the church. And you know what's even crazier? Is that their family's life has been saved, their marriage was restored, their kids are now coming, they're all serving, and it all happened because one invitation came to them at a gymnastics class. Justin's gymnastics class. No, it wasn't his class. It was his kid's class. I'd hate to see him doing any type of gymnastics. But write this down in your notes, everybody. You never know who's one invitation away. One invitation away. It's all it took. It, they were so desperate, so searching for meaning, and in a place they were not expecting it at their child's gymnastics class, somebody from the church just said, hey, I'd like to invite you to our church. I love Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 verse 23 says, the master told his servant, and Jesus is talking, and really he's using an analogy about his house, and he says, listen, I want you to go out into the roads, into the country roads, and the lanes, compel people to come in, and read the next part of the verse out loud, everybody together. So that my house will be full. God's heart is that his house is not empty, but it's filled with people from all different walks of life, from all different backgrounds, from those who are hurting and broken to the up and out and the down and out. And Justin and Amanda are those people. They were up and out, but they were still out. They still felt empty and it took one invite that changed their life. They came to the church And from Justin's words, he found real love that they had been searching for and didn't even know existed. And what's crazy is that after God changed their life, we shot this video at their house. We parked down the street, and as we're walking to their house, a lady drives up, and she's like, Pastor Sean, what are you doing in our neighborhood? Like, oh, we're going to shoot a video. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're in our neighborhood. You're on our street." How cool is this? And as I'm talking to her, another lady drives up and says, Pastor Sean, what are you doing in our neighborhood? She couldn't believe it, but I asked the Rattos, and here's what I found out. Seven families from their street have all been to Fellowship Church because they are not satisfied with just coming themselves. They want everybody else now to experience the hope and healing that they've found. That's the heart of God, everybody. God wants His house to be full. He wants His house... To be changed. And I want to encourage you to take those little invite cards in your chair today and pass them out to your friends, your family members, schoolmates, anybody that you could think of, because you never know who's one invitation away. What's the worst people could say? No. What's the best thing that can happen? You can change their life and generations to come, all because you simply invited somebody to church to experience the love of God. Jesus healed their marriage. Jesus healed their lives. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, we see kind of the model that God gives in the early church. The Bible says day after day, every day, they met in temple courts, say big church. Big church. And then they met in house to house, say small groups. small groups. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So God brought Justin and Amanda freedom, He restored their family. And now they're leading small groups and they want to change everybody else's life. I love that. That's the heart of God. And now you're thinking, how how does that apply to me? Well, we're now seeing this story of transformation. And we look at them and we say, if God could do it for them, he could do it for me. Come on, say that out with me, everybody. If God could do it for them, he could do it for me. They found meaning and now they want everybody else to experience the same grace that they have experienced They've gone through growth track. They've been through the dream team. At some point, we realize, like Justin and Amanda, that there is purpose, that you can find meaning in life. And they're inviting everybody that they can. Here's what I want to reiterate to you. We say this a lot, but you'll never really understand what this church is about until you bring somebody to the church who's hurting, who's broken. And you watch as they lift their hand for salvation at the end of a service. You see Jesus restore their life through the things that we lay out, the growth track, the dream team, the small groups, that is when you're going to stand back and say, oh, now I get it. The church is not a place just for me to get information. It's a place for me to give my life so that others may know. Really, there's four things that we do, and they're really simple. We want people to know God. That's Sundays. 95% of people who give their life to Jesus do so on a Sunday. So, so, Sundays can't just be about us. It's got to be about those who aren't here yet because we're in. We know God already. We want others to know. And then number two, we want you to find freedom. And that doesn't just happen. I mean, that really happens in the context of relationship. Jesus is the one who brings healing, but he's chosen to do this in the context of relationships, James 5.16 says. And then we want you to go and discover your purpose. Not just another class that leads to nothing in church. We want you to go on a a journey of discovering what makes you unique. So our growth track, that begins the, the first Sunday of every month so that you can do number four, and that's the fun part. That's where you make a difference for eternity. You'll never know what purpose feels like until you're making a difference in somebody else's life. But these four steps, this is the vision of the church, and this is how we accomplish it. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's Sundays, small groups, growth track, and dream team. And really, our goal is to provide a place where you want to bring your friends and they want to come back. How many think church ought to be enjoyable? Like church shouldn't just be something you endure. It ought to be enjoyed. We want it to be powerful and enjoyable at the same time. I wonder, is anybody that's grateful that we can smile in church? Anybody glad we can laugh in church? I mean, church ought to be life-giving. For some people, man, you grew up in church and it was life-taking. You almost felt like you ought to get extra credit in heaven for going and attending that church. Like you had to endure the whole service. But that's not God's heart. God's heart is that you enjoy it. It's called the good news, ladies and gentlemen. It's because the news of Jesus Christ is good. David said this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Some of you growing up, you weren't glad when you went to church, you were glad when you left church, got to go to Sizzler, because people were mean, and they're singing songs where they were lying about stuff. Like, they're singing songs like this, like, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? I said, down in my heart. Like, you're looking at them as a child thinking, brother, if you got the joy of the Lord in your heart, it's too deep. And I can't tell. It's, it's way too deep. And you need to let your face know. Come on. Help me know the joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus is enjoyable. His church ought to be too. We want the church to be enjoyable. We want people to come in just like Justin and Amanda and experience the life-giving message of Jesus Christ so that their life can be changed forever. So if that's true, then hashtag be the BeTheInvitation. Invite your friends, your family members, your co-workers, your people at school so that pe- people can come in and this house can be filled just like Jesus wants it to be with people who can experience the love of God for themselves. Thank you, Shatori, so much for taking time to share your story. Um, you've been coming to church now for how long? Uh, a year and six months. Yeah, a year and six months, <laughs> and you now serve at AU. You're yes. a small group leader. yes. And people see you, you're, you're light, you're bubbly, you're the party, you walk into the <laughs> I room. Try. Yes, exactly. And what I love about the I Love My Church series is that you see people all the time and you don't know their story until yeah. you sit down and talk with them. And, yeah. And stories are powerful. They reach yeah. people in a yeah. different way than yeah. me just speaking could ever do. Yeah. Take us back before Fellowship Church, what you've mm-hmm. gone through, where you were. Okay. Share a little bit about that.
3: On December fifteenth, um, it was my finals week. My grandmother called me, and so I answered the phone. And so, right before my final, like literally five minutes, um, she tells me, "I need you to get down to the police station. Your brother may be dead." So, so you're,
0: you're at you're at school, mm-hmm. and you get a phone call mm-hmm. that there's been a crash.
3: Mm-hmm, that there's been a crash, and that my brother may be dead. We get to the Oakley Police Department. Then they brought gave us the results back, and. Um, hardest part because losing him was the hardest thing that i've ever been through in my life so so after the funeral um i just stayed in my bed for four months every single day like I just said God I said God please just please like just kill me Lord just just please let me die like I don't want to be here anymore like my brother was my main reason for going to school and I just got so overwhelmed and I just said Lord I can't do this anymore and so I I took a whole like over a hundred pills and I was rushed to the hospital I was having kidney failure and so I was and I was so upset because I was just so desperate to die so when I was in the hospital that was another moment for me where God is saying it's it's not time there's purpose there's you your purpose has not been fulfilled I realized I was like you know what he's not he's God you're not gonna allow me to just leave this earth so what do you want me to do so I cried out to God for like the first time like Lord what do you want me to do
0: after coming out of the four months Mm -hmm. of desperate desperate Mm -hmm. uh, searching Mm -hmm the fifth month, your heart began to open again after realizing nothing else is helping. Mm. What happened next? How did you hear about Fellowship Church? From there,
3: so I had already knew about fellowship, but then I kinda like, I just kind of went to school and and just started to work on Sundays and all that the the excuses you know why I can't go anymore you know once my brother's death happened God like just said it clear as day like help the youth at fellowship literally I kind of was just like all over the place but that was the one thing that I knew that he told me to do
0: and talk to me about your first Sunday at fellowship church what did you feel
3: you can tell the difference when you've been in a dark room be in an atmosphere that's so welcoming, that's so warm, that's so genuine. The more and more I got plugged into the church, the more I started to serve, that's really when it's just like, okay, it started to come alive again. Going through growth track immediately and then being able to get on the Amt United team, that was like the biggest reward for me and I believe for my brother because he would have wanted me to pour out into the youth, you know, to make sure that what happened to him does not happen to them. Because I remember when I first came to AU, like I would lock, I would go in the stall and just cry, like, and just cry and cry and cry because I just, I was so sad that like my brother couldn't experience that. I I kept saying, Lord, just meet me where I'm at. So I didn't have really the strength to get up there and jump with the kids and stuff, but, Eventually, it came with time. Like, you know, it came through prayer. It came through people like just praying over me, you know? And it's like the kids, it's like God showed me I needed those kids just as much as they needed me. That same energy that my brother gave me, those kids give me week after week after week. And that's what has been so healing because yeah, there was just so many times where I didn't want to wake up and I didn't want to go to church and I didn't want to do anything. And just like having all of them like just force so much like love into me. Oh, we're so happy to see you or like, oh, God forbid, I miss a day.
0: I know you love your church. Yes. But where would you be without your church?
3: I believe that I would have taken my life. Wow. I do because I was like so just really, really sad. And I was so desperate for my brother and just wanting to be with him so bad, especially because my mom was a single mom and so we kind of stuck together, you know? That's what would've happened. I think that I would've would've given up on life and I think I would've taken my own life.
0: What would you say to anybody that's listening that is where you were?
3: Ooh, okay, that is where I was. That feel
0: they've suffered loss. Yeah. And they're there in that moment what would you say to them?
3: I would tell you that um, I know it's challenging. If you just give him a chance, he will he will restore. Your pain can really help someone else. Um, whether it's a loss, um, any kind of loss, um, God didn't allow it just for you. I feel like He allows it so you can touch other people as well. If you still have breath in your body, your purpose is not done. Hmm. My name. <laughs> is Chanel hines and i absolutely love and adore my church
0: write this in you know it's everybody the church is a place of hope the church is a place of hope isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 is a famous verse the bible says this but those who hope in the lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary and they will walk They won't faint. Shatori was one who experienced such a deep loss, the loss of her baby brother. And she was so depressed, torn on the inside. She felt so hopeless. She stayed in bed for four months. She wanted to end her life. She was so tired, so faint. And then somebody invited her to a small group. And then she came on a Sunday. And then she got on the growth track. And then she got on the dream team, and Jesus began the story of rewriting hope in her life. She began to understand what restoration feels like firsthand. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, May the God of hope, how many know the God is the God of hope? Yeah. May fill you with all joy and peace. See, when hope comes to your life, joy also comes. Peace also comes as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. She found hope in Jesus at this church, ladies and gentlemen. She was so desperate, so hurting. She said this, she said this, if you have breath in your body, your purpose is not done. What a great story. What a great statement. If you have breath in your body, then your purpose is not done. The rattles found meaning here. And here's what I know meaning brings definition, and definition brings purpose. Meaning brings definition to your life so that you can experience purpose. And meaning is so important. You have to know who you are, you got to know what your life is about. But that brings purpose to understand I'm a child of God, I'm a daughter of God, and now I know I'm here to impact the lives of other people. Everything that God's done to comfort Shatori, she's now turned around and used to comfort others. The same comfort that she's been comforted, she now comforts other people. She said this, God, just meet me where I am. Oh, I don't have a lot of faith right now. I'm, I'm broken, I'm hurting, but just meet me where I am. And I love the heart of God because God ran to her, restored this girl who would not be here if it weren't for this church. Lord, I'm so thankful that this church has come together to breathe life into a young girl who was so desperate for hope. And she's found hope and meaning and has been such a blessing now to so many students where she's now pointing students to Jesus Christ. Thank you, church. Thank you for being a church where people can come to find Jesus, they can find meaning, and they can find purpose. Write this down, everybody. With all the stories that have happened, there are still more to be written. Write this down. Let's go make another story together. Let's go make some more stories together. That is what will wake you up on a Monday morning. That's what will wake you up on a Friday. That's what will wake you up on a Sunday. Knowing that your life has meaning Knowing that your life has purpose in Jesus. And I think to myself, how many stories have yet to be written? How many lives have yet to be restored? And I'm praying that through this series, you're awakened again to understand that God has gifts inside of you. And he wants to use you to, to rewrite some more stories in other people's lives. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says it this way. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Not ourselves, but we serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love how diverse the body of Christ is. I love how diverse the church is. That We all come from different backgrounds and walks of life and and different experiences, but God has given every single one of us a gift. And he turns around and says, now I want you to use that. Use that this week to reach somebody and bring them back next Sunday. And let's just see what God would do. Ephesians 3.10 says this, that Jesus' intent was that now through the church, somebody say through the church. church. Come on, say "Through through the church. That the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. I love Jesus. I love His church. And I love the fact that He allows us to participate in helping people come to know the love that He has to offer He's transformed our lives and we're now going to do everything we can to see other people experience the same transformation.